Welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, the last of disc six. From Final S- Vault Disc. That's right. Of Sign of the Times Super Deluxe. That's right. We're on the downhill slope of this very large album, I think. I don't know about that. I think we're still deep into it. <laughs> well, but this is the last of the quote-unquote new material or unheard material. Yes. Everything from this point on we've heard. Now we're going to get to hear it live. And see it live. And see it live. Right. Yes. And then we've got, I don't know if we've mentioned this, after we finish Sign of the Times Super Deluxe Edition, which will be another, what, yeah. three, four episodes, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. We've got other plans for That's right. the other unreleased material that wasn't included on this Super Deluxe collection yes. and other side projects that were not included in this Super Deluxe edition. Yeah, because if you can believe it, there's still stuff that didn't get included. Oh, yes. Lots. Nine discs and it didn't get included. Lots of stuff. Yeah. And side projects, which none of which they've included in this. Right. Where they haven't even been touched by the estate, any side no, project. It's uh-uh. been, uh, and we've already talked about Sheila E. and Jill, Jill Jones. Jones. And we did watch the Sign of the Times movie leading right. up to covering the special edition release proper. We sure did. And so. we still got two Madhouse albums to look at. Uh, a collection of unreleased songs that weren't included that I thought could have been included that we'll get to. Yeah. Plus more. Yeah. So there's lots of good stuff coming up, but I'm a little almost sad. Why are you sad? Because it felt like a really long climb to get through these first six discs. You know, when you're starting it, oh, we're going to be talking about this forever. We are. But it was so enjoyable. And now here I am at the top of this mountain, this summit, and I'm almost a little sad to be here. Because I enjoyed the climb so much. You're like me on Christmas Day. (laughs) That's right. I don't want Christmas Day to get here. I want to look forward to it. And then when it arrives, actually days before it arrives, I start getting very sad. Yeah, December 23rd. We'll call it Super Deluxe Edition Syndrome moving forward. (laughs) Yeah. Poor Josh. About December 23rd, he starts to get a little little bit sad that Christmas is almost here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was also a long time waiting for this to come out. It was announced what, in true. June of 2020 and came out end of September 2020. And now here we are, uh, basically the end of January 2021. And we're still uh, only six out of nine discs into this. Yeah. So it also has been, it's been super fast. It's been super slow. It's super huge. I still don't have a handle of... What song is on which disc, which I usually do by now after yeah. so many listens. And this one is just, I guess, because it's configured chronologically, all the vault discs, they don't feel quite right to me yet because I've never listened to them in this order. It's almost like the estate put together the definitive playlist for this era. And I feel like I'm still catching up, which yeah. is fine. Yeah. Hopefully, we've got many, many years to figure it all out. That, that's right. That's right. All right, so shall we start in with the music? We should. Okay. 
The way this all broke out, we ended up with just six songs to cover today because we were taking these discs one half at a time to give them the time and attention that they deserve. So mm-hmm. here we go with song one of six. That's right. So Probably the fewest songs we've covered in a single episode, I would I say. so. Yeah. Or tied with the lowest, if not the lowest. But yeah, six songs would be probably the minimum. And that's where we're at today. So That's just how it rolls. That's right. So we're starting off the downhill slide of disc six with Jealous Girl version two. Right. That's right. Uh, version two, I assume, because it was originally recorded by Prince in 1981 and intended for the hookers which was abandoned when they turned into Vanity Six and then was offered later to the Bengals. Mm -hmm. And then Bonnie Raitt. And then Bonnie Raitt. Prince Um, couldn't give the song away. It says a little bit about the song, yes. (laughs) Very true. Reworked in uh, end of January 1987, and that's what we hear on this collection. Right, and we've talked about this song before. We talked about it in March of 2019 in an episode we did about Vanity Six called How Many Nipples... (laughs) <laughs> did you forget that's what i titled that i did forget <laughs> what did we say about it then that was almost two years that was ago. almost two years ago so i'm kind of coming at it fresh <laughs> did we cover vanity six and talk about this song as an outtake yes okay yes we did all right and it's very difficult to find the vanity six version mm-hmm. of this song now it used to be much easier to find on the internet. Well, now that it has an official release, I'm right. sure the internet police are all over it. No, I'm sure. I I don't know that any woman really want to sing this song that's, like voluntarily. That's an even broader stroke than I painted in my notes, which read, I see no reason why Bonnie Raitt would want to sing these lyrics, <laughs> but you're right. Um, There's a reason why the Bengals took Manic Monday. Yeah. And not yeah. Jealous Girl. I mean, count me all in on this song musically. Oh, I think it's, so it's fun. really fun yeah. and sung really well. I think it's great. But lyrically, I could only see you and I talked about this a little bit before we recorded this. Like <laughs> Prince Prince's own hyper controlled groups like the Hookers or Vanity Six, maybe, because he would give it to them and say, Do this. Sing this. You uh-huh. are under my purview. And they would because they're working for a superstar in Prince and they were young and fairly inexperienced and would probably just do it. But I think anyone who was established like Bonnie Raitt at this time would hear this and go, um, no, I don't sing about cutting up women's faces or blowing up their cars. I've got a little more self-control than that. And personally, I don't think I'm a very jealous person. So this doesn't work on multiple levels Uh for me. Yeah. They've been together for a long time, this couple. Yeah. And yet, somehow, he took her friend on a date, this dude. So, he's not a great boyfriend. No, he's not a good boyfriend. But she's not really a good friend. And she doesn't have good friends. No. I would say that's true. There's she's a, lot of, a bad friend. Actually, all these people deserve one another. That should be what the name of this song is. We deserve one another. Me and my girlfriends. Well, yeah, because the, the protagonist's friend, well, like, obviously knew that our narrator was dating this guy and still went on a date. Bad friend. Yep. But uh, the narrator is fussing at her friend. Yeah. And not... Her cheating boyfriend. Also true. 
Yeah, none like, of this is his fault because he's so fine. Yeah. It's so it is well, and it's Prince singing from the perspective and writing from the perspective of a woman, and I think he had a lot to learn at this point about what goes on inside a woman's head. Well, and that's why I was wondering, I'm like, is this what he wants from a relationship? He wants the ability to screw around and have the girl he's screwing around with get in trouble. It is a very backdoor way of giving yourself freedom in a relationship by writing a song from, from the perspective of a woman who is your girlfriend who lets all this stuff happen and fantasizes about causing physical harm to the girls that you're using to cheat on her with. Right. Rather than getting you in trouble. Yeah. Right. Like the dude should be in trouble. Really? I mean, her friends, she should kick to the curb because they're not good friends. Right. But, right, but ultimately but it is ultimately, his own actions, yeah. right? If he was really that committed to her, the person he's singing as, there would not be a need for a song called Jealous Girl. Right. Exactly. This song almost is like a snake eating itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's uh. fair. Uh, I just like, I can't figure out if this is what he wants from a relationship or if he's just fundamentally misunderstanding women. Uh, or if he, I mean, he did enjoy writing fantasy stories, you know, about strange situations. We mm-hmm. covered Cosmic Day last time, and then we've got a song like this, Jealous Girl. Both, you know, one kind of fantasy-like, and this one, relationship fantasy slash, um, I don't know, another way of deflecting blame, which he was an art that he perfected throughout his career That's also. Fair. We've covered that in albums dating much later than this. Um, yeah, it is a perplexing thing. It would be very <laughs> interesting to have a conversation with him about. Uh-huh. What was, first of all, it was yeah, written was in 1981. So yeah. it was, even though it's here as part of a more mature collection of songs, its origin are from is from a much earlier time. Again, this could have been a song on Originals or could have been a song on 1999 Super Deluxe. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you just have to pick a time for where you want to nail it down and say, this is this era and it goes here. Okay. Right. Yeah. But he kept trying to give it away. You would think like well, he mature kept, a little he bit. He kept meeting new women who he thought would want it. And it seems like a fundamental misunderstanding of all these women. First Joni Mitchell and then Bonnie Raitt. The Bengals. The Bengals. Yeah. He didn't understand any of these women yep. and he just continued to not understand them. You know, it, on the one hand gives me a little sympathy for him because he really just didn't understand who he was supposed to be writing for. But at the same time frustrated with him because how did you not grow a little more? Although like in 1981, when he wrote and recorded the song, obviously he hadn't run across Bonnie Ray yet. Right. Uh, The bangles weren't a thing. So it's, is it that, or is it just a little bit of maybe, I've got this done and maybe I can find a home for it. I don't want to say it's lazy because there was a lot of work and song crafting that went into putting this thing together, but it almost feels like forcing a square peg into a round hole. Well, and that's the thing. Like I appreciate all the work that he put into it, but let's uh, back off or rework the lyrics or something to give it a little more maturity and make it something that a woman might actually want to sing. Or maybe ask a woman for her input. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there was a lot of that going on. Oh, uh, that's fair. I mean, because it wasn't 
hey, Bonnie, here's a song. Do you think you could try to rework it and make it work for you? It Uh was a, why don't you lay down some lyrics, some vocals on this? Uh Look, I've already done all this music for you. All you have to do is copy my my vocal guide word for word, Mm -hmm. and it'll be done. Yeah. That seems great. It does. Or replace jealous with another two-word adjective. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, even the fact that it's a girl. Yeah, not I expected you to bring this up before Uh I had to. I've got to do all the heavy lifting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm of that unusual age where we grew up calling one another girl and we still call one another girl. I don't usually call my friends woman. They're your girlfriends? They're my girlfriends. Or I might say, oh, girl, it's okay. You got, it's okay if you... Don't get your laundry done because you have the COVID. Oh, it's you, fine. You cut up her face, girl. That's okay. <laughs> you no. have to let your anger out in some way. No, that's the kind of girl behavior I don't approve not, of. Not on board with. No, not a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So he's singing as a woman to himself. Verse two, you took my girlfriend out on a date. I didn't like it. So I cut up her face. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not like, I didn't I didn't slap you. I took a box cutter <laughs> and turned my girlfriend into the elephant woman. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty violent. I mean and the narrator says it's a prison of love. Then I'm like, you're gonna end up in outright prison. That's if you true. don't stop blowing up people's cars. Yeah. Cutting up their faces. Yeah, Yeah, I'll point out some parts that I like. How about that? Okay. Um, Turning towards the positive. 51 seconds. Hey, hey. I love the hey falsetto at 51 seconds. It's sung beautifully. Mm -hmm. Love it. I like the little fight conversation going on in the background at 57 seconds when he sings, I had a fight with you this Saturday night. I like a uh, minute and six seconds. Okay. When he sings, because can't nobody put you down, leading up to the word cause. It's co 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 cause. Yeah. <laughs> and I like the co co cos. Like well, it a lot, and, and like in a minute and a half ish, uh-huh. the, there's horns that are yep. added in, and they're just right. They complement it well. They're not overpowering, especially at this time when Prince would add the horns in. Yeah, after the fact. After the fact, they ended up being a little overpowering, and they're just right in the mix mm-hmm. here. Yep. So I really like that. Leading into the guitar solo at a minute and 40 seconds, too, mm-hmm. following those horns. <laughs> really?
really great. It's a little buried, but that was kind of Prince's style. And I think Sign of the Times, it wasn't a soaring guitar solo kind of album. It was a more subdued guitar solo kind of collection of songs. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I, I can't help but giggle at the delivery when he says at like 2.42, I'm about to kill somebody up in here. I'm, just, I'm about to kill somebody up in here. It's I fun. mean, it's it's horrible, but it's funny. He does say it in a, you know, the prince's yeah. female voice kind of thing. A female with an attitude, yeah. Just in looking at the lyrics, too, online, you mentioned the prison lyric. Mm-hmm. I hope that I'm the girl that you've been dreaming of, because, baby, I'm the one with a prison of love, is what I found online, which is completely wrong. Oh, Okay. He sings, because, baby, I'm the warden in the prison of oh. love, not the one with a prison of love. The warden in the prison of love, to me, is also, I thought, not smartly written, because the warden is in a prison. That's a job. You can come and go from your home to the prison. You're in charge of the prison, right? To make sure that prisoners behave and that security is maintained. But you're not in prison. You're not stuck there. You hold all the keys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a weird, I don't know, maybe a misunderstanding of, or not <laughs> complete thinking through what yeah. what he's saying here. I don't know, but at three minutes, there's guitar and horns and percussion that all come together. And yeah. it's so great. Three minutes and four seconds, the tambourine comes in that wasn't like part of anything before that I like to. Right before he delivers his, what you looking at? Don't you know I'll cut you? Think I won't? So I was listening to this and there's this guitar part behind where he says, think I won't or right after it, like at about three minutes and 32 seconds. Don't you know I'll cut you? Think, think I won't? This guitar, like, uh, this kind of mm-hmm. steppy guitar part. And I was like, where have I heard that before? Oh. And I went digging deep into my head and through my library. And where it sounds similar to me is uh, on Emancipation in oh. Damned If I Do. Oh. One minute and 52 seconds to one minute and 55 seconds has a guitar uh, stutter step kind of part like that that is Almost identical to this part of Jealous Girl. And I was like, don't tell me I'm going to go to Prince Vault and find them mention this. I'm going to be really angry. (laughs) And I couldn't find it mentioned anywhere. So I don't know if it was intentional or it just sounds the same to me, but Uh it's the same kind of effect going on in Uh Damned If I Do that I thought was kind of fun to compare. Very cool. Yeah. The uh, little ending that was put together of like these explosion drum sounds, I thought. Yeah, these kind of percussive sounds are so. I mean, they fit the manic nature of the lyrics. It sounds a little violent, like a whip and an explosion all together. Mm -hmm. 
But as it uh, comes to an end, I'm just thinking, uh, why don't you calm down a little, jealous girl? <laughs> you know, evaluate your friends. Oh, watch evaluate out Evaluate your boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, take some stock before you haul off cutting up people's faces and blowing up vehicles. Fair. Yeah. All right, the next song. There's something I like about being your fool. A very long title. Prince was never it, afraid of those. That's very true. Uh, also, short titles he was not afraid of. No. Yeah, that's a long one for sure. That's like Alanis Morissette got a hold of a Prince song. Or and Fiona Apple. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. These ladies. When the pawn. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Another song recorded in 1981 and worked on further was considered for controversy? I that saw I did not that know. all the way up until like almost the final configuration. Yeah, which it would not have fit in very well there at all. But uh, okay, cool. Uh, considered for Jill Jones? Yeah. Offered then, to Bonnie Raitt? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And re-recorded uh, in January 1987. Yeah. And Bonnie Raitt did record vocals yeah. for the song. I have not been able to find that anywhere. Okay. I found the other one. Online, she recorded, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. That she recorded vocals for, mm-hmm. but not this one. I did see on Prince Vault that uh, Don Batts, who was an engineer for Prince during the 1999 era and controversy era, has mentioned that... Steve Fargnoli, who was one of Prince's managers, loved the song and mm-hmm. wished it had been released by Prince. Yeah. Um, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, all vocals and instruments by Prince, except for Eric Leeds on the saxophone. Mm-hmm. And that opening saxophone, it sounds so familiar, and I can't quite place if it's used somewhere else where I've heard it before. To not have an opinion on that, I was kind of hoping you were going to say yes. It's from no, it didn't sound familiar to me at all. I had not heard this song either before the set uh-huh. uh, was released, so this was like a brand new song to me. Okay, but um, it didn't sound familiar to me. What struck me is like, wow, what a kind of island or reggae kind of vibe that it had. That um, mm-hmm. you know, Prince did later in his career quite a bit with. Blue Light, um, songs like that. But I thought this was just not at all a typical Prince ballad from the 80s. Right. And sung in a really super relaxed way. Mm -hmm. Also, no vocal effects, no alter ego, no falsetto, just straight up singing Hmm. by Prince, which I found refreshing. I'd like to know why you do me so bad. All right, well, dear listener... If you thought that those opening horns sounded familiar to you and you can place them, do let us know. You can find us on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S podcast. Or you can send us an email, podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this song, any song. If that sounds familiar to you from somewhere, let us know. Is that what you're trying to say? Yes. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say. Great. Hey, interesting that Just After Jealous Girl is another song. About a girl treating him badly? Yeah, about a protagonist behaving in a way that's maybe not super appropriate. Yeah. But I do love the tone he uses in his voice in this song. It's really great. 
I agree. Yeah, there's a lot of... I mean, I guess when you're a solo artist like Prince was in this period, I guess you can see how songwriting turns to being hurt somehow. But again, the lack of uh, responsibility okay, is a common theme. Okay. Although in this one, he basically forgives her regardless of what she does. He can't put his finger on it, but there's something he likes about being mistreated. <laughs> yeah, it's a little... Um... BDSM adjacent, almost. Okay. I'm feeling pain. I'm feeling pleasure, too. I'm feeling pain. I'm feeling pleasure, too. Uh And I'm like, well, this is more mature. There's joy and heartbreak, and they kind of coexist. And it's not specifically like sexual necessarily. But though he does mention the very next line about being tied up. But uh, I, I don't think it's a sexual thing, but it's... It's kind of adjacent to that sort of mindset in a relationship. Yeah, which I thought was a little bit of a sign of more mature songwriting also to allude to things like being tied up in a relationship in in relation to like it being sexual, but it really isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to back up a little bit and just say at 43 seconds, that's verse two when he sings... I can't explain my brain's all hazy blue the way he sings hazy blue. It almost reaches a falsetto at the end of hazy, the second syllable, and then drops back down, and it's just really nicely sung. Mm -hmm. When you tie me up, it's hard to get me loose because there's something I like about being your fool. When you tie me up, it's hard to get me loose. Well, I think that it's, like you said, it's not necessarily tying you up in a sexual way. It's uh, when you hook me in or you've got me under your spell, I don't want to escape mm-hmm. is what I'm reading there. Yeah. You know, even if you're not treating me great, which he doesn't specifically say. Uh, well, in no, fact, but he's he does. Fairly, he's he says, fairly lenient in the song with... Uh, <laughs> oh, but I disagree. He does specifically say, you do me like my enemies do. You do me like my enemies do. Up in the verse before that. Yeah. Yes. Specifically placing the blame where it belongs. Okay. Well, but then he gets into but it. Also, like he doesn't. He doesn't say that he blames her for that kind of treatment later on in the song it's you spend all my money and i don't care when you wreck my car like all of this things all these things that are very materialistic that are you know typically a little important to prince he kind of there's a letting go in here that I thought was more mature than all of my fingers are or my one index finger is pointing at you even though there's three other fingers pointing back at me. Right. Well, and I thought it was interesting time after time you spent all my money. Mm-hmm. As you just mentioned, he's bringing money back into this and yeah. even if he's letting it go and not upset about it, it's still almost a kind of, I love you this many dollars worth. That's true. I, so, lo- you know, 
You know, the one thing you never really hear Prince sing about putting value on, which I think he placed a lot of value on, is his time. Because you know he lived a life where he was stretched in many different directions. If he was on tour, uh, there there was probably a good part of him that wanted to be back at home recording. If he was recording, there was probably a part of him that was like, I want to be on stage in front of people. I've got to have time for my friends, my guy friends that I hang out with, and all of my female relationships. But his time is never anything he laments about losing. It often comes back to things like money, my car, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. There's not the uh, my time is precious mm-hmm. kind of thing, hmm. which could, if he had, I think we could also say, wow, he sets himself uh, on a higher bar, like his time is worth more than other people. Oh. He never did go there. No. Often, anyway. No. That just kind of struck me when I was listening to this. And after he sings time after time, you spend all my money. Yeah. Huh. Just a little aside there. Yeah. Did you hear him call out to himself at a minute and 38 seconds? He says B or E. He sings something behind through all of verse three. And I don't know if it's like chord changes or what oh. he's singing to himself oh, in the in the background. You can hear it the first time at about a minute and thirty eight seconds. And I also like kind of the laid back. It doesn't even offend me because I'm mesmerized by you. Kind of delivery of you mess around all over town, but honey, we're still cool. Yeah. You mess around all over town, but honey, we're still. It's I was kind like, of this very, really, really uh, he let that go compared to I love you, but I don't trust you anymore or all these other songs where it's like everything is over dramatized to almost, you know, uh-huh. Prince, don't be such a bitch level. Well, and I wonder if I wonder if maybe that was a little bit thinking of it from a woman's perspective. Again, that's how he'd want to be treated. He'd want a woman to. Say, oh, you've messed around, but that's Maybe. okay. I'm okay with that. Maybe so. But yeah, because that is what he's saying. He's saying, yeah. like, I know what you've been doing, and because I'm so infatuated with you, it, it's not a point of contention. Mm-hmm. There's a little symbol in the right channel at around two minutes, mm. two minutes, two minutes, five seconds. That's mm-hmm. just, I love it. I mean, did you find this kind of reggae-ish? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I was thinking, well, it's not sung in a reggae way. No, you know, but it's the not like music is. The music definitely has uh-huh. this kind of South Pacific vibe to it mm-hmm. to me. And at three minutes and 11 seconds, there's more talking going on in the background over the guitar solo uh-huh. that's really hard to make out. Is free Nelson Mandela. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Didn't know that. And then he says captured a little later, but he says free Nelson Mandela at three minutes and eleven seconds. Wow, that was totally lost on me. Yeah, and I was like, oh well, he got his wish because Nelson Mandela was released in 1990. Yeah. Help soon. End apartheid yeah. in South Africa, or you know, he died in the 80s. If you believe in the whole oh. Mandela effect thing, yeah. which I've clearly remember and i've 
had people tell me that it was reported in the news that Nelson Mandela died in prison in the 80s, but that was untrue and may have been a ruse to try and uh, limit some of his power. But How did I miss the Nelson Mandela connection to there's something I like about being your fool? This is like all new to me. I don't know. I don't know, but that's what he says, free Nelson Mandela. Huh. Yeah. Because the, he's like, there's a thing. I guess that's what he's saying. Free. There's like a. Uh-huh. Uh, and I thought he was going into being your fool is what oh. I expected him to say. Uh-huh. Uh, and then uh-huh. it went, it must have just been like completely different than what I expected to hear. So I he, couldn't even hear what he was really saying. He couldn't understand it. Couldn't understand it. Oh. I was incapable of making the connection. That's why there's two people hosting this podcast. That's right. Because we can each hear different things. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the end of this too was, first of all, the ending of Jealous Girl is kind of weird with the explosion whippy drum sounds. And I thought the ending of this was a little weird too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, To their credit, they don't fade out. You know, there's a proper ending, but at like three minutes and 25 seconds through the end of this song, there's this distorted solo guitar playing that... Sounded to me like it could have come from Lotus Flower, even, oh. if you listen to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was surprised by this one. You know, by the time we get, you know, I did listen to all these vault discs all the way through, and I've been revisiting the sections of them as we've been covering them. And this one, I think this song was the one that kind of struck me as the weirdest. I didn't know what to expect in a song like There's Something I Like About Being Your Fool. I couldn't really guess you know, what it might sound like or what genre it was. And then after listening to it, I was still like, what, what, this doesn't really fit here anywhere. It's something so completely different. So I don't know. It's just, it was just an odd song and genre to okay. find here. To yeah. Me. To be in this particular spot. Yeah. Yeah. Then we have big tall ball version two. We talked about version one several episodes ago. This we one's sure did. quite different. This is the one that was previously circulating also. Okay. So when I heard Big Tall Wall, I was thinking, oh, well, and it was circulating in pretty good quality. But I was like, ooh, this is kind of a, it's a cool outtake because, um, you know, it's basically Prince singing and drums and some guitar solo that's almost like when doves cry in terms of bass, like okay. there isn't a bass guitar. The mm-hmm. drums kind of serve as a bass, a deep floor for the song. And then listening to this entire set when it came out and having the horn version come first, I'm like, what is this? It was so out of nowhere to me. Uh And now that I've listened to that one so many times, to come back to this version that I've known for, I don't know, 25 years or something, was equally jarring. To come back to the thing I had known and to be like, this is... I don't know which one is better. I don't know. This thought this threw me for a real loop. Oh, well, this one's much less peppy, much darker. Well, the other one was peppy sounding, but very right. controlling. And, you know, we were like stalker esque, of course, on the, on the first version. Yeah. This one seems to like match that a little better, mm. but you know, it's, we'll get there. Yeah, it starts off with a hey sugar, come here, I got something to lay on your mind. That's mm-hmm. a little more ominous. Hey sugar, come here. I got something to lay on your mind. I'm gonna build a big tall wall. Yeah, and the way
way that I read it, this one was re-recorded once Susanna Melvin was out of the picture romantically. So uh-huh. it's more, obviously it's a more uh, stripped down version of the song and less obsessive with a current girlfriend than pursuing someone new. Okay. So I also kind of thought this one maybe seemed a little more aspirational. Yes. Like he, after she left the picture was no longer there and he had a little space from it. He was able to think of it as more aspirational rather than retrospective, Yeah, which version one is very retrospective. I want to keep you from leaving. Right. I'm going to make you a bird in a cage essentially. Yeah. And this one's also that a little bit, but now she's someone he wants to meet. Yeah. He's got this attraction yeah. to her that's a little more superficial. She dresses well and is elegant and is pretty and can speak well. And, I mean, there's all of these things that he's taken a little bit of a different approach to Yes, this. true. I agree completely. This is a little like a more, I don't know, obsessive version of Forever in My Life, too. Okay. When you listen to the drum machine and him singing over himself. There's so many great background vocals going on through all this. Like at a minute where he sings, if I see you walking down the street. If I see you walking down the street. There's uh-huh. these falsetto hits that are going on behind it that's um, are really fun to to listen to. Mm-hmm. Well, and the, as with so many of these outtakes that we've heard on this set there's such great vocal layering mm-hmm. falsetto and baritone and mid-range it's all there it's all there's so much care put into it for it to just yeah it was definitely languish. not a throwaway no by any means um i thought we start seeing a little bit of dating of the song too like at a minute and 25 seconds when prince decides to spell it out for us <laughs> oh it's such a big into an acronym yes it's such a big word you know mm-hmm. b is for bold that's how you make me feel uh-huh b is for bold girl that's how you make me feel i is for ignorant the situation's real i is for ignorant the situation's real so real not sure if I quite understand that. I don't that. either. He's, he was uh, <laughs> that's a stretch. He was trying to trying to do something that didn't maybe quite work. Yeah, and then G is for my girlfriend, and he admits I've got another one, but that's uh-huh. not going to stop me and you from having fun. Uh huh. I was like, oh, he's such a player. G is for my girlfriend. Yeah, you know I got another one, but that ain't gonna stop me. Yeah, I guess that's the, he can get away with it because of who he is, I guess. But I was like, if you're going to take the time to make big an acronym and then admit infidelity as one of the three letters, that's kind of sad. I don't disagree. A little twisted. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, with money, baby, I'd put you before Uncle Sam. Baby, I'd put you before Uncle Sam. And we saw this same sentiment Almost word for word in Wally, yeah. where he says, you know, I'd give her all my money for I'd give it all to Uncle Sam. Yes. Wally. You know 
I'd give her all my money for I'd give it all to Uncle Sam. Can you believe it, Wally? Well, well like first of all, pull, uh, well, it's a similar. It's a song about the same person, Wally yeah. and Big Tall Wall, or yeah. both about the same person. Big Tall Wally. That's what it should have been. Just one song, maybe. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, I never thought of Prince as much of a patriot or one to, you know, profess, you know, paying taxes as a priority. Um, and I thought of us, like if I had approached you 25 years ago and said, oh, Christy, I'd, I'd put you above country. Is that really all that much of a compliment? No. I mean, I guess... I think the idea is I could go to prison for not paying my taxes and I'd be willing to do that in order to make you happy. I think that's what it is. It's about this big gesture rather than I, do, I love you more than my country. Though I huh. guess you could view it that way. It's just a strange turn of phrase, I guess. <laughs> it's a, an odd compliment. Well, and for it I... to be twice. Yeah. Yeah, you reused. Know, two different songs. Yes, not only am I going to do it, but I'm going to work it into two different songs. Yeah. I do like the, this is one of the first times we hear Prince use the word glam, and glam would hang around in Prince's songwriting well into Love Sexy and Beyond with Pretty Little Baby, You're So Glam, Every Time I See You, I Wanna Slam. Mm-hmm. So we've almost got a first uh, nod to glam slam in the song, which I thought was kind of cool to find. <laughs> That is actually really cool. I hadn't really thought of that. Oh, Susanna had such a yep impact on him for so long. Long lasting mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, at about three minutes, you know, he sings "Baby Doll, You're So Glam." Every time I see you, I wanna slam, and then we get a ow. Uh-huh. Classic Prince. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, there's the. Uh, chorus in the middle just a little before that like two minutes and ten seconds and the organic feeling is just so great it's almost acapella it's uh-huh. just fantastic i will say the i mean this song is you know drum machine driven so it's repetitive by nature but it is really repetitive. How many times does he sing Big Tall Wall, well, Stone Circle So You Can't Get Out? It goes on. I don't mind it. It goes on. <laughs> There's some really wicked, cool electric guitars underneath this mm-hmm. almost rap at like 4 minutes and 25 seconds. Yep. Baby, so Every time I see you, I want to slam. That was great, very of its time, but yeah, really cool. Where do you think Prince heard the term modus operandi? Oh, I have no idea. And decided to worry. This is where I feel like Prince started getting into terminology that he probably would never use, but would use it in songs because he felt like no one else would say that kind of thing. Oh. Like that's the whole the whole point of using modus operandi leaves a lot to be desired. So it's like saying the way I go about doing my business isn't something that's very appealing. Okay. I guess. Didn't everybody tell you that 
my modes operandi I left a lot to be desired And then the I got more holes than a golf course I got more holes than a golf course Oh yeah You'll have company I was like I think that means that he's got as many women as he yeah. could want Yeah Oh, that's when he sings, oh, yeah, you've got... Actually, the lyrics online that I found say, oh, yeah, you're hot company. Wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, you'll have company, is oh. what he's saying. You won't be the only female in my tribe. Yeah, I was like, wow, what a fancy way to say he's got a harem. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. He says something about... A back room. He's building something in the back room and he doesn't finish the thought. Take your time, because in the back room, I'm building a heavyweight bitch. I thought that he was going into Big Tall Wall and like went into another direction there. Take uh. your time, because in the back room, I'm building a. And oh. then it goes off in another direction. That's right before he says, Every time I see you, I want to sc- 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 scream, <laughs> which I think. Dates the song uh-huh. also. Yeah, very Max Hedrum kind of yes, sound. Yeah, completely. Um, I did like at five minutes and four seconds, we get a little breathing after he says, you want to rap? And he's got this. <laughs> uh-huh. you rap? Almost like a dog panting. Yep. Which he's very... Into dogs and cats and animals. For sure. And all breathing. And yeah. Breathing. Mm-hmm. Oh, who of us don't like breathing? <laughs> I thought this one was funkier, but I really kind of missed some of the sweet things from version one. You know, the slippity slip and the vulnerableness that was in the first version. Yeah. I think that, that all comes from, like you charming. said, he was coming out of the relationship and recalling all these things that made him feel good. Where here he's in hot pursuit, you know, mm-hmm. of a new object of affection. Yeah. At five minutes and 18 seconds, I thought uh, he kind of offers to expose his infrastructure. You want to see my walls? You want to see my bridge? You want to see my tower? You want to see my walls? Let me put you behind my bridge. Wow, okay. We're getting into highway imagery now <laughs> all right and yeah. i thought that um yes to its credit it doesn't fade out which is a pet peeve of mine but uh you know the yeah i've got another girlfriend but they don't, that ain't gonna stop us from having fun and it kind of ends on this kind of strange note i don't know if i was the object of affection of princes and he was singing this to me i would wonder why would i bother if you've got more holes than a golf course uh-huh I don't need company. I have friends already. Thanks. Uh-huh. Right. And you're going to build a wall for me. Mm-hmm. This one's less vulnerable, but I think it loses some of the troubling sweetness of the first version. I would agree. Yeah. All right. And then we have Lisa's vocal for A Place in Heaven. We spoke about uh, Prince's version and the backwards version, Nevea Ni Kalpa. Yes. Uh, again, these are purportedly in chronological order, but, um, this version obviously had to have been recorded before the backwards version. Oh, that drives me crazy. How do they have the backwards version with Lisa's vocals in front of 
this version. I don't know. It makes no sense to it me. It doesn't make any sense to me either. So if you're going to say we put them in chronological order, I mean, I get maybe a few days difference, but for, you know, here and there, oh, we put this one before because maybe something we saw suggested it was actually recorded a little earlier than what Prince Vault has it listed as, whatever. But obviously, I mean, this is like a glaring error. Yeah, an error or just a... They just decided to roll with it. I, I don't know. But it does annoy me a lot. Yeah, me too. That this appears basically at the very, very end of the vault discs. And the backwards version with Lisa's, Lisa's vocals is multiple discs ahead, ahead of, this. of this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like you said, obviously they couldn't have made a backwards, backtracked version of Lisa's vocals had she not sung it the correct way to begin with. Yeah, exactly. Which one would think is right here in front of us yeah so yeah we covered this is basically the same instrumental track with Mm -hmm. lisa on lead vocals wendy on background vocals and some of prince's lead vocals turned into background vocals yeah we talked a little bit about the troubling nature of these lyrics when you start (laughs) listening to them and paying close attention to them and uh, obviously they have not changed since two or three discs ago when we heard this for the first time yeah I was, it's very sweetly sung by Lisa. Oh yeah, I can't, I have no like issues with the vocals or the delivery. I mean, all of the issues that I have with the lyrics are still there, but whatever. I just couldn't decide, is it better or worse than Prince singing it after a dozen more listens or so, or is it just no different? It's different. I don't know that I have a preference. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, I did think it was nice how they worked in Prince's lead vocals and his background vocals, especially... Um, when Lisa sings, when you really hear a cry and they sound the same yeah. in hell, they sound the same. And Prince's lead vocal turns into a background vocal. Uh, it worked in hell, really well. They sound the same. Yeah. yeah. It's like kind of this it goes into, it's a little surprising to hear him pop up. Yeah. In the I thought that part was yeah. particularly good too. Yeah. always thought that the timing of uh, the lyric at two minutes and three seconds has always sound odd to me. Um, the very last the song's wrapping up and we all want a place in heaven. Uh-huh. Sweets of that level are few. It just sounds like it's kind of crammed in there in a weird way to me. It's never sounded like it fits the way it should. We all want a place in heaven. Sweets of But what do I know? You know, um, my songwriting experience has added up to zero so far. (laughs) All I do is listen. That's right. There was a little, right at the beginning, there was this little, like, crowd yell or a frustration noise or something that was, like, in there. And it wasn't in the Prince version. It's just a little, a little something. Well, you've heard something that I missed again because I did not hear it. Huh. So, all right, it's just interesting. This song is a weird one, you know. It kind of has got this baby. I don't know. It almost sounds like a a song recorded for a child, you know, with the 
way the kind of bossa nova drums are. Uh-huh. Um, it's got a very different sound than most songs from this era, which right. make it kind of stick out. And it's remarkably short to the two minutes and 48 seconds. Mm-hmm. We um, talked about how it kind of sounded like a lullaby a yeah, little bit. Yeah. Still does. Maybe yeah. even more so with Lisa. So she's got That's a very fair. motherly kind of sound to her. Uh-huh. Not in a bad way. No. No. That's a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what child doesn't like their mother singing to uh, them? Then we have Wonderful Day 12-inch mix. Twice as long as yeah. the other version on the yeah. set. Starts with a very 80s firm beat as it did before. Some additional O's at the beginning. Yeah, it's like 18 seconds more of a drum intro than the original. I went I went back to listen to the original version too and to compare it to the beginning of this one. And man, it's just uh, the drums are just super accentuated um, and very, very dated sounding. You mentioned Max Headroom before. That's what this sounds like mm-hmm. to me too. Like, I mean, the drum machine was not a new thing, but it was almost treated like it in this with these intensified drums and accents. You know, if the original version had drum, it was kind of frantic as far as drums go. But I, my notes to myself were like, if that song was on a six out of ten for drum intensity, then this one cranks it all up to ten. Uh huh. And that's not necessarily a perfect ten either. It's just very loud. It's a calamity. Yeah, we get Wendy and Lisa on vocals with. Right. Prince's lead vocals pushed to the background a little bit in some parts. And I really liked the mix, Hmm. especially when they split the lines. So Lisa says the decisions they don't have to live by. Mm -hmm. And Prince says are easy ones to make. And I really like with the way they split these lines. way their vocals all work together i thought it really worked for me i really enjoyed it usually i think these three are like perfect matches vocally but it just seemed like it was all maybe it was the drums but it seemed like it was just all over the place you know the original version prince is singing very fast it's almost spoken or rapped and here we've got two other people uh two other voices that show up and it just uh, made me feel like the way you feel when sounds go from left to right channels oh, in your head. I really? felt like like uh, my brain was just bouncing around on this one a lot. Okay. And if anybody gets in the way, mm-hmm. they get a kiss on the cheek. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a almost biblical where you turn yeah. the other cheek, but yep. instead of turning the other cheek, you're going to kiss somebody yeah. when yeah. they've been a detriment to you or an right. obstacle just... for you rather than rather than slap them or just take it. You give them a kiss and yeah. you're going to disarm them with your right. like, you joy take and care. aggressive action yeah. to you know, diffuse a situation. Mm-hmm. Right around there, too, at three minutes and 22 seconds, there's a great Prince little woo that I made a point to write down because I liked it so much. Cool. I think this thing goes in and out of parts that seem really too cluttered and crowded for me, and then it backs out to parts that are quiet that I enjoy. And I think maybe that's what made me feel a little pinballed on oh. It's a Wonderful Day, 12-inch. Mm-hmm. But I still enjoy Prince's... Uh, bup, 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 
boop, mm-hmm. he does like those mouth sounds mm-hmm. at a minute and 54 seconds through two minutes that are still so fun to listen to. <laughs> Verse three is another uh, lyric misquote online at almost every website I could find where he prints things, darling, I know what you're like. And baby, I know what you're worth is what the lyrics online say. And what he's saying is, and baby, I know it's your world. Oh. Very clearly to me. That is okay. an easy, easy thing to hear. What he's saying versus what is transcribed on uh, many lyrics side is just completely wrong. No. Here in a little edit at like three minutes and thirty six seconds. Yeah, it, uh, very clearly. Like, I was a little thought it was a little weird that it was so noticeable. Yep. I sure did. In fact, walking this morning, listening to the song again, I heard. I mean, it's almost impossible not to hear. Like you don't even need to be aware to be like, what happened there? There's yeah. a. It's like an immediate cut, an obvious edit. Yeah. I do love the instrumental part that seemed to get the mix right from Mm -hmm. four minutes to about four minutes and 23 seconds. The dated drums are still kind of there, but they're pushed back a little bit. They're not so extreme. Yeah. Um, And I thought if there's like a little section of this song that kind of gets the extended version or the 12-inch mix right, I was going to give it to those 23, 24 seconds right there. shimmery symbols in there too that are really nice yeah i thought this was a fun more collaborative longer version of a song that i already enjoyed but it sounds like you found it a little disconcerting annoyed me really this song annoys me a lot really a lot okay yeah oh like six minutes and 54 seconds to seven minutes and 15 seconds you can hear those very dated drums come in again this sounds like another like edit like you're talking about but the opposite way where it almost sounds like a finished song and then you can tell where like this needless additional layer of stuff was added and it just sounds out of place to me oh no okay i was like i would rather listen to the half long original version anytime Hmm. over this extended 12 inch thing okay. it just sounds like a mess to me okay and not in a good the first one sounds like a mess and we talked about it being kind of like this fast moving hard to even follow mess mm-hmm. and it just seems like more like there was this painting and someone just came in and colored on top of it to because they were asked to huh okay then we have Strange Relationship, 1987 Shep Pettibone Club Mix. Woohoo! Which, I have to say, I was surprised at how much I liked this. Because oh, I yeah? don't typically care for the Shep Pettibone remixes yeah. as much. Sure. And sure. I really enjoyed this one. Oh, good. I didn't not enjoy it. I just found like we're winding down this last vault disc and it seemed like it became very derivative very quickly. Like I've I've heard heard this, heard this, heard this. Worse than, you know, the B-sides and remixes disc. 
that was up front as disk three, of course, that's derivative because that's the whole nature of the disk. But then we're getting to the end here and we've got uh, alternate versions of unreleased songs like It's a Wonderful Day, 12 inch, and then the Shep Pettibone Club mix. And it just felt like it kind of ended flatly for me. Yeah, it fizzled out a little. It did fizzle out for me. Mm. But I wanted to look up it. There was an opportunity for me to look up a little bit about Shep Pettibone. I'm like, who is this guy? We've talked about him before, but tell us again. We did. But he'd worked with artists like Madonna and George Michael in the late 80s. um, And uh, with a guy named Arthur Baker, he helped popularize many aspects of dance and hip-hop culture, such as scratching. And so very fundamentally... I don't know, groundbreaking mm-hmm. um, remixer and DJ, but I don't remember if I looked up who he had also worked with in the past. Mm-hmm. So if this is derivative, <laughs> then it fits right in with this disc, if you ask me. But he worked with the B-52s, Belinda Carlisle, Cindy Lauper, David Bowie, Duran Duran, Elton John, George Michael, Huey Lewis and the News, Janet Jackson, The Jets, Level 42, Lionel Richie, Metallica, Morris Day, New Shoes, who we made lots of references to, uh, Paul McCartney, Paula Abdul, the Pointer Sisters, uh, Prince, of course, Run DMC, Sheena Easton. He remixed and worked on Eternity, which is a Prince song that Sheena re-recorded. Uh, Terrence Trent Darby, Wang Chung, and Whitney Houston. That's just a sampling of yeah. the list off of Wikipedia. So very heralded and successful mm-hmm. you know, DJ. For sure. Yeah. It starts off with strange... Strange. Pitched up, yeah, but not quite Camille. Strange. And then relationship is pitched down, but not down, all the way down to Bob George. Yeah, that's just kind of interesting. It was a neat treatment, and I did like the piano at the beginning of the song. I mean, that was kind of typical of remixes, but mm-hmm. from twenty to thirty seconds at the beginning, and there's this piano part that's. For the vocals on this, it seemed to use the vocals without the Camille treatment treatment too. Like mm-hmm. it used the alternate unreleased version of the song found on disc four, uh, which by the way, also follows the original wonderful day. So mm-hmm. we've got the wonderful day Prince version and the alternate version of strange relationship. And this whole thing ends with wonderful day, 12 inch remix and strange relationship. The mm-hmm. DJ remix. Yeah. There's these uh, synthesizer jabs that are super, super 80s. And we've heard those in some of remixes and things before. Yeah. Very just of the time. There's a xylophone synthesizer that's pretty fun. Yep. Even the, um, you know, the kind of refrain, do, 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 uh, from two minutes to two minutes and 22 seconds. It's got a, uh, some great music and vocal effects going on behind it that make it, it was really nice. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that part of it. down 
down from 3 minutes and 32 seconds to 3 minutes and 40 seconds, which is where the released version fades out, where we mm-hmm. get the yeah, yeah. instrumental part there um, and it gets into really silly territory to me like yeah. at 3 minutes and 52 to 4 minutes and 2 seconds I thought it was just really silly drum breaks that just sound I don't know like something I would have done in yeah, 1987 it's just interesting and different yeah, I mean, it's a club mix, okay. Yeah. And it's not a club mix that was done by Prince. It was an outside, you know, DJ. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was redeemed by the mixing in of the guitar accents from 4 minutes and 2 seconds to 4 minutes and 10 seconds that come straight from the alternate version of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, used here so i did think there were parts of uh both the released version and the unreleased version that were lifted and used successfully to a degree in the remix mm-hmm. yeah and it, you know, we got some falling space sounds at the end which is very 80s but also kind of fun i mean you just yeah is it fun to listen to it's fun Before that, I wondered where some of the other Prince samples came from. You can hear him say something about, on the one, y'all, come on, Yeah. at 4 minutes and 40 seconds. So that's not in the released version or the unreleased version. I wonder if it might be from a rehearsal of the song that I might have heard somewhere, but I couldn't quite place it. Um, But thought it was fun that there were some other Prince vocals or at least call outs that were you know worked in there um Mm -hmm. and i did think that before we get to those spacey galactic winding down sounds at the end that you were just talking about the piano playing from five minutes and 42 seconds to six minutes and three seconds were a really fun listen to yeah Prince recorded, or Lisa might have recorded, or if it's something that was done post. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know where that came from, but I do enjoy listening to that. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. And short and sweet, that's uh, all of the uh, music that we're going to talk about today. So that means we have some choices to make. Maybe tough with just six songs. It is tough with just uh, six we songs. Could, uh, but, uh, we choose a time capsule, something that exemplifies the time at which the material was recorded or when it was released. We choose a C, the low point, the thing that we liked the least, right. and a mountain, the high point. What spoke to us the most? These are my rules. So I go first. Time capsule. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was the Strange Relationship Club mix. The synths and the drums and the staccato kind of altered voices and that kind of hit like max headroom a little bit and yep. all of that really was it's very definitely a mid to late 80s remix yeah through and through 
for sure. For me, the time capsule, for the same reason, really, is the Wonderful Day 12-inch. You know, those drum accents that were added all to me sound like the same kind of, you know, uh, galaxy that the Strange Relationship remix came from. Mm -hmm. It also... I don't know. I hate to say this. It sounds like Prince told Wendy and Lisa to take this song and go make it sound more dated. And that's what they did. Okay. Uh, and they succeeded. If okay. that's what he said, then that's what they did. Okay. I just, uh, yeah, it just sounded really, it was so manically mid to late 80s. But that's a time capsule to me right there. Okay. Yeah. The C, the low point. Uh-huh. It's, I have kind of a double, but it's about the same sort of thing. So I really think it's a shame that some version of Big Tall Wall never saw a release because I really think it could have been a huge hit in the 80s. It would have been great. It was catchy. There was a little less concern about lyrics that were troubling at that time. Sure. It could have done really well. Yeah. Um, and also a little bit that the version to a big tall wall is lacking those sweet charming somewhat troubling lyrics i missed those a lot in this version that's your son yes i just i thought that uh it was like uh in wally i'm on the prowl tonight (laughs) that's what big tall wall version two kind of sounds like a little bit is you know him on the prowl I think we've done this before and agreed it's acceptable. My C is the same as my time capsule. Wonderful day, 12-inch. I'll just say I much prefer the original. Very much so. Okay. Well, my mountain was I really liked the collaborative sound of Wonderful Day 12-inch remix. And all of the wild and unusual and unexpected things that are happening aside from that little edit right in the middle which sucked. it was weird it sucked other than that um i that's really, your favorite i really liked wonderful day wow. it was like it's one of those songs i have it in the headphones and kind of like a bebop and sing along and just enjoy it while i'm doing something else huh that's good. I'll just reiterate, the vault disc really ran out of steam to me on the last half of this final disc. Like, yeah. Um, I'm not really quite sure that I'll revisit many of these last six songs for a while. But the one that I will revisit for my mountain, and I'm really shocked myself here uh, by landing on, there's something I like about being your fool. I'm not... It's not a typical Prince ballad. It's not forced. It's kind of like easy does it which is a rarity on Prince Ballads where he's not pumping up his own sexual prowess or, you know, professing his deep hurt by something that was absolutely not his fault at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here, he's just happy to give in to whatever his partner does and desires, and it's just, it's cool. And there's, like, no ramifications. I'm not going to, like, exact revenge on you somehow. And it's just sung in such a laid-back way that's really unique in Prince songs. And mm-hmm. I thought that I would like it the least when I first listened to these last six songs. And the more I listened to it, it turned into the song I like the most. Oh, well, great. Yeah. Super cool. All right, what are we going to talk about next time? We're going to endeavor to take on an entire disc next time. Uh, disc 7 of Sign of the Time Super Deluxe Editions, which is live from the Netherlands on June 20th, 1987. It's the first of two live discs from the show. Since we've already covered uh, the concert film, um, we'll just take a listen to this whole first half of the concert and see how it differs from the very edited 
released concert film because mm-hmm. uh, there are a number of songs on it that he performed during the Sign of the Times tour that were not included on uh, the concert film. So mm-hmm. that will be a fun listen. Yeah. And I will say I have I have yet to listen to this disc oh, even once. Really? Mm-mm. Cool. Well, and a lot of these songs we've talked about before, yeah. most of them. So Correct. that's why we feel like we can take on a full disc and still... Yeah. Uh, cover it effectively. Agreed. So we hope since, I don't know, Josh hasn't listened to it. We just committed to it. To it. <laughs> <laughs> Josh hasn't listened to it. I've listened to it, but not uh, with a pen in hand and a keen ear. Oh, so. I have not even sampled it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I've been so into the vault discs and yeah. listening to that material and the uh, remastered album, which I still think is fabulous. Yeah. I agree. Um, I just was like, well, I'm going to save this stuff. So it'll be new. I've heard it before because it had circulated, but I have not listened to it since September when okay. it came out. Super cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening. We know you make a choice when you listen to us. We don't just come on the radio when we really do appreciate it. Please rate and review. It does help us get found and we'd like to be found. We'd like to make the show. We'd like more people to listen to it because more people who listen, the more fun it is. So if you have any thoughts, of course, feel free to let us know. And until next time, happy purple listening. Thanks for listening to us. 